You're listening to Halfway There, episode number 263, Dr. Heather Thompson Day and the Sustaining Hand of God. Hey friends, welcome back to Halfway There. This is the show where we have honest conversations with ordinary Christians about today's Christian experience. I'm your host, Derek Nevins. Thanks so much for being here. I'm always thrilled when you download and I can see that. I I love uh, seeing the people are out there listening to the show. If you like it, I know you're going to like this one. Um, Go ahead and just tell a friend, send a text, maybe share it on social media. That would mean a lot to me for sure. Uh, we have a great guest today. I'm excited to uh, to just talk with her. She's a speaker. She's a writer. She's written in places like Religion News Service, Christianity Today, Newsweek. How cool is that? And uh, she, um, I, I don't know. She, uh, we'll ask her about where, where she is these days. Um, but she, I love what she says here. She believes her calling is to stand in the gaps of our churches for young people. How important is that? Her latest book is It's Not Your Turn. Our guest is Dr. Heather Thompson Day. Heather, welcome to Halfway There. I'm excited to be here. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Well, um, definitely, definitely powerful. So you've been all over the place, and you're definitely, um, you know, publishing in some cool places. You're you're a writer and um, and speaker and all that stuff. Tell tell me about kind of where what that means for you right now, and where God has you and all that. Oh, that's a good question. I, I keep asking myself. What does this look like for me right now? Um, COVID has kind of just realigned a lot of my priorities and brought mm-hmm. things into focus, right? About where I should be, which is with my children. Um, but so right. I I have been writing since I was a child. I always wanted to write books. And I, looking back now, I just think about how unique that is because I was like seven years old. And that was my dream was to be an author. Um, speaking kind of came later. I just kind of fell into that because I was writing books and people end up asking you to speak about them, but I had no idea that that would be a gift of mine. I, I just knew I wanted to tell stories. I love that. Uh, cool. Well, so are you still in Denver? I am not in Denver anymore. You're not. You moved, right? So I, I was going to say you were in my neck of the woods, but you're not here anymore. I know. <laughs> I moved like three weeks ago. I don't know. Time is in a vacuum. So I can't remember yeah. when it was, but three or four weeks ago. Um, and I don't even have a house yet. I'm still living in my parents' basement right now. Oh. I have stuff in storage. I don't even have my clothes there. It has just been crazy. Okay. Well, that's that's good. So I bet that's a whole journey all of its own. Um, all right. So here's what I like to do on the show. I want to, I just want to hear your story and hear kind of particularly your story with God and some of the moments, key moments in, in that story. Um, so where are you from? Where'd you, where'd you grow up? I grew up in um, Berrien Springs, Michigan, which is now back where I am. Okay. Um, so I went back home essentially about right. three or four weeks ago. And I grew up kind of with my dad. Oh, my dad was on Broadway. So his background was in show business. And then he ended up becoming a Christian and started doing a lot of uh, evangelism and speaking all over the world. And so I tell people I grew up in a van. I grew up in the back of his van with my sister going to whatever church she was going to be at in the United States or abroad. 
And that was my childhood. So I grew up kind of always experiencing God on this very emotional level and seeing people mm. because he was in theater, right? So I saw yeah, yeah. people emotionally receive the gospel. And so I think that's honestly what led me in some ways to academia because mm. I wanted to pursue God through knowledge. And I wondered if, yeah. is there even like a base, is that even a thing? Can we pursue God academically? So I think that's what I've ended up pursuing for the last 10 years because of my deep emotional connection. Yeah, that's really interesting. So you've always felt that sort of emotional connection. What was it like for your faith to become your own? So my faith became my own when I was 22 years old. And I remember the day. Um, cause I was crying in my room in my apartment. I had just called off my engagement. I was supposed to be getting married and it was two months before my wedding. And I felt very much, well, first of all, my dad kind of interceded and said, I just want you to really pray about this. I want you to think about this. And so I put it before the Lord and long story short, that relationship imploded. And I just remember sitting in my room, in my apartment, crying and just for the first time telling God, I, I'm going to stop asking you to follow me and I'm going to start actually trying to follow you. And so that was that conversation. And I was 22 years old and so, nothing changed for me overnight. I mean, something relationship wise, yeah. it did. I ended an engagement, but I, I don't think spiritually anything felt like it changed. You know, I kind of woke up the next day feeling the same as I had when I went to bed the night before, but it set into motion this journey where now, when I look back 12 years that I've been walking, I see my entire life has been flipped upside down from that decision that I made 12 years ago. Yeah. Cause you would have been someplace totally different. You think? 1000%. I, I would have been <laughs> yeah. married to somebody that I should not have been married to you. Um, yeah. I don't know if I ever would have written a book, you know, I don't, I don't know what would have happened because I was always trying to do things my own way. I'm a very controlling person. And that was the first time that I remember just saying, I'm, I'm going to start waiting on the Lord, yeah. which is still a difficult thing to actually live out. I'm doing it right now on a house. I, I could buy a house, but I am waiting on the Lord to, to give me that feeling that like, this is the house that I have for you. And I haven't had that yet. And so I'm in a basement, which wouldn't make sense to a lot of people, but I've just chosen to start living my life in a deeply responsive way to yeah. what God opens for me. And it's been a huge, I think, protection over a lot of decisions that I've made. Yeah, that's really interesting. Okay, well, tell me about how that developed then from there. So, because you don't, we don't learn those things overnight, right? Scripture is full of right, stories right. of people who blunder into like, they, they're trying to trust God, but then they do something else or whatever. So what, what was that like for you as you were, okay, coming off this engagement, which that's got to be the, one of the most like painful. Yeah, it moments, was. Right. I'm sure it was very tough. So what was that like deciding to trust God after that? Where did, where did you go? So I mean, do we have time for this? I don't know if we have time for all this. I <laughs> go, have go wherever you want. It's okay. So this is actually that whole story because from that day is when I realized just how deeply involved God wants to be in my life. I prayed, God, if you don't want me to marry this person, I pray that you'll please, please end it because I don't think that I'm strong enough to do it. 
And literally within five, 10 minutes of me saying amen, my phone rang and it was my fiance and he broke up with me right after I prayed that prayer. And I, we had just went and picked out wedding invitations that day. I, we hadn't fought, we were one of those couples that like break up to make up, but we hadn't fought that day at all. Things were going really well. And then I pray this prayer and he breaks up with me. And I knew that of course he would be calling back to get back in the cycle of breakup to make up. But I also knew that God had answered my prayer and that I would be moving out of his will if I um, go back into that relationship. So I was just praying and crying. And I was looking at my wedding dress hanging over my closet. And I was thinking about my bridesmaids who had just spent like $200 on dresses they wouldn't be wearing. And I didn't even call my parents because I didn't, I think, want it to be real yet. I didn't call any of my friends. And then at, I don't know, in the night, my phone rang. And I said, okay, this is my fiance. And he's calling to get back together with me and get back in the cycle of breakup to makeup, but I'm going to stay strong. I'm not going to do it. And I answered the phone and the voice in the other end of the line was not my fiance. Um, it was the voice of my now husband, Seth day, who I had known since the sixth grade. Um, we grew up together. I had given him my number two years prior to this, and he never called me. And here he called on the very night that I had ended my engagement. He, he had saved my number in his backpack for two years and called me on the very night that I ended my engagement. And we didn't like automatically start dating that night, but he did say, do you want me to come see you? And I said, yeah. And I, and he came and we sat at the beach and just cried and talked together and told him about my life and my relationship. And that was the beginning of a totally different journey than I had planned for myself. Um, and I just, it was just, I think from that day forward, I realized God has a better plan for you than you could ever plan for yourself. And, and also I learned, I couldn't have planned that. I could not have planned that my boyfriend from sixth grade would call me on the night I ended my engagement. You can't, you can't right. strategize that. Right? right. So in a lot of ways, it's helped me reverse in life and just say, I can't plan for God, Yeah. but I can walk yeah. with him. And I can live in it and I can wait on him. That's so good. Yes. Can't plan for God, but I can walk with him. And that's what we're called to do, right? That's what he wants. That's what I love about scripture is he says, hey, I will be their God. They will be my people. All he wants is just for us to walk with him. Fascinating. Okay. Kudos to your husband for uh, <laughs> keeping making a call after two years. I right? too scared to do that. Good Good for him. Um, okay. So, so that seems like a lot of great reinforcement to go. Okay. I, yeah. I, can, I can trust God, like almost immediate. We don't get that all the time. That's Absolutely. once in a while. Absolutely. Right? But I think when we get it, you hold on to it. You look yeah, back, totally. right? So yes, I, that was a massive moment. And then maybe I had two, three, four, five years. I don't know where yeah. it's just a lot of silence or a lot of that still small whisper, but I look back on that moment and then I'll have another big moment. Right. Yeah. So it's like you, you store up, I think in your times of plenty, because you're going to go through the times of less and how do you survive them by looking back and remembering who he's been. Yeah. And that's the whole premise of like Israel set up those yes. stones right after they crossed the Jordan, because, Hey, let's, we need to remember what has happened here. And they have the Passover to remember what God did. And I think the same thing, you know, it's what, it's one of the reasons I do the show the way I do is I, we, we hear those stories because I know that there's people out there, some of, some of you friends are listening right now, and you're wondering if God is going to come through or if God, if you can trust God, if you can surrender that big thing that you don't know if you can. The reality is you can. Um, 
is it always going to work out perfectly? I don't know. I, I can't tell you that. Won't make that promise on God's behalf. But I do know that He will show up in some way. And if you're looking, uh, okay. So Heather, what? So from there, I'm really curious about. <laughs> that seems like it was an inflection point for you, where uh, where you were like, okay, I'm. You kind of grown up with God. You really had to trust God in this moment, and then you go forward. And what was what was sort of the deepening of your faith like from from there? Did you go into academics? Was that was it was it after right after that or when was it? Oh, I went into I started te- yeah, two years later. I started teaching at 24. Um, and I would say the deepening of my faith came with deep water, right? So the more mm. rejection that I experienced, the more perceived at the time failure that I experienced, I just felt like the realer God became for me. And the more I had to stand on the rock that was at the bottom. Right. And so I just experienced him in a totally different way. I'll give you, I'll give an example of what this looks like when I'm saying this. Um, I learned that what God doesn't take us around, he'll take us through Mm, and not always in like the glamorous ways that I wish it would happen, but in ways that sustain my hand for that day. Right. So sometimes that looked like I had a vice president several years ago that left, um, that gave me his meal card. He was going to go on vacation for like a month and he randomly calls me to his office. I have no idea still what other than the Holy spirit, what would have prompted him to give me his meal card. But I was at a very low financial moment at that time. He would not have known that. Um, And he said, Hey, I want you to try to use, you have three little kids. I want you to try to use all of um, my meal swipes if you can. And that was just a moment for me that I said, God has provided literal food for my entire family, not in a glamorous way. I would much prefer him to give me several hundred thousand dollars to put my bank account, but he sustained me. And he put me on the heart of somebody who I should, who shouldn't have even been thinking about me. Right. And it was just, it was one, I've had so many moments like that where Mm -hmm. I've experienced the sustaining hand of God that leads me to my next big, exciting moment that other people would be more excited about. But it was those sustaining moments that made me realize, oh, like whether, whether in plenty or in want, I can trust him. Yeah. Yeah. Which is, which is, I think that's something we learn as we go, right? We have those little experiences and, and when we reflect on them, that that's how that faith gets, gets deepened. I love it. Okay. Have you had a dark night of the soul? Uh, so many. <laughs> More than I right? would like. Can we stop with the dark nights of the soul? How's that? Right. Um, and mm-hmm. I would love to stop having those experiences. Yes, I have had many Um, dark nights, but you know what? So I have a really great mentor. And so I just kind of came out of like a dark season and my mentor, something that he said to me two, three years ago was if all the devil has to do Heather to make you quit is hurt your feelings. You may as well quit. (laughs) Right. He said, at some point you have to move beyond your feelings. My friend, Annie F Downs puts it this way. She says, tell, she says, I tell my feelings that they can get in the car, but faith drives. 
And so I say that out loud when I'm in these dark seasons, I think I've gotten to a place and please like, Lord, don't test me on this again, please. But I think I've gotten (laughs) to a place where despite what I feel, it doesn't change what I know. Yeah. Okay. So talk about that a little bit. Cause I'm, this is one of my, one of my hobby horses, I think particularly, so I grew up evangelical, right? Just like the whole, I went to an evangelical free church even, which is not like cholesterol free. It's just, it's evangelical free. Um, and we, but we didn't take the whole person seriously. Do you know what I mean? So we would talk about emotions in a way that were dismissive, right? Uh, which to this day just drives me absolutely insane because our emotions are important, right? They're, they're, they're key. But I like how, how Annie said it there, you know, they they can be in the car, but they can't be in the driver's yeah. seat. That's so that's so perfect. So how do you think of that? How do, how does that give me a practical example in your life where you've been able to, to do that, that maybe you go, okay, this is something that we're going to do, even though I don't, maybe I'm feeling other emotions or something. Yeah. I'm doing it every day. You know, I'm, yeah. I, I, I'm living in a basement right now as I speak. Right. <laughs> so I, yeah. yeah, I am literally you're, you're, it's learning to believe that my emotions are not bad, right. They just are what they are, but it can't change how I show up. Mm. So yeah, they can come in the car. Annie says they can even pick the music, but your faith drives. <laughs> right. So for example, um, I can't decide whether or not I'm going to show up to my class and teach my students as if they are 100% image bearers of Jesus Christ based on how I feel. Because if I did all my emotions based off of how I feel, I would just be watching Netflix in the basement right now. But I have to, at some point say, at at some point we have to make this decision where we say, I, I think as Christians, leaders lead, period. Your emotions can come and you're allowed to feel them, but they cannot dictate where you go and they cannot dictate how you lead. At some point, leaders have to lead. I am sure Moses did not feel like leading people who were constantly complaining and griping about him. Right. But he just decided, no, we're go. We have to keep moving forward or else you'll die in this desert. And I think the devil would love to see a lot of us just be buried in the desert. At some point you have to decide my faith is going to drive and I know what's true despite it doesn't matter. So when a student comes into my office and this happens all the time where they say, I prayed and I cried and I tried Dr. Day and I don't feel anything. And I say, sweetie, who told you you have to feel it? (laughs) Right. And I'm saying this as somebody who grew up understanding that. That's what I was saying. I grew up in a very emotional Mm. relationship with God where it was very much based on how I felt. But the reality is if you, if I was, if you were to come in my office and I was to draw a little line above your head every single day and you came in for three months, would you have grown at eight years old? You come in every day for three months. Would you have grown? Probably not. It takes about six months to grow a single inch physically. How long does it take for our character to grow, for our heart to grow, for our spiritual connection to grow? This, a relationship with God is a journey. And I think in our society, in our quick hit, in our instant gratification, we think if we don't feel something instantly, then it's broken or it's not working or I'm doing something wrong. And I've just come to realize, no, it's a part of the journey. And there's going to be days that you feel it and let that carry you for the days that you don't. 
Yeah. Yeah. That's so good. Okay. So you said that, that you kind of pursued academics as a way to like add that sort of, sort of headpiece, which I think is really interesting. So what did you study? Where'd you go? So I went to Andrews university, which is back where I'm teaching now. now. And I studied communication and I, I love when so much of what I would read and like just evolutionary thinking fits with similar things to Christianity. And I like making those connections and I like going through scripture and saying, oh, this fits perfectly with this theory. So like we, this is true of both evolutionary biology and Christianity. We need relationship, right? Yeah. We, we, we are wired to exist in relationship with other people. And so I am now able to connect that to my faith, right? But that is true of just how human beings are wired, period, regardless of whether or not you're a believer. And so I think it's important to talk to people. And it's like 86% of people believe in a higher power anyway. So it's important, I think, to talk to people and say, oh, here... There, here's some communication strategies on why I believe this is who this higher power is. Here's some connections and examples that I see in scripture that fit with what we already know to be true. Yeah. 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 So is that what you were, is that what you were studying communication? Yeah. Okay, cool. Interesting. Um, what brought you to Colorado? When did you come, when did you come out to Colorado? So I went to Colorado um, two years ago. And I went to Colorado Christian university and was teaching there, had a fantastic experience, but my father's health, he had some health Mm. challenges that came up. And like I said earlier, COVID just really put things into perspective for me. I had this idea that I had to get out of this small town that I'm in. And I, and I did, and it was one, and I love Denver. I mean, I think Colorado is like God's country. It is one of the (laughs) best States, I think in the country, in the United States. I'm wearing the t-shirt today. Yeah. Right. It is. It's a fantastic (laughs) place. Um, but I very much felt, I went home for father's day and I very much felt in my spirit that God was saying, you need to come back home. And I called my husband that day on father's day and said, I think we need to move back. And he said, he was not ready for that because he was loving Colorado. And he said, well, let's just start praying about it. And if it's, here's another God moment, right? So we started saying, (laughs) let's start praying about it. And if it's God's will, he will stir somebody's heart. And so we're praying, this is um, Father's Day. So whatever in June, and then on July 1, the university I'm at right now called me out of nowhere. I hadn't talked to them and said, what do we have to do to get you to come back? And so I said, okay, clearly God is saying, I need to go back and I need to be with my parents during the season. And so I am being, that's what I'm saying about, you can't plan him and you have to just be faithful. Even when it feels like in my mind, it feels like I'm going backwards. I'm already seeing so much fruit that I'm seeing, oh, this is exactly where I need to be. This is exactly where God has called me to be for this season. Yeah. Like what? Give me an example. Just the relation, even just a conversation I even had with a student yesterday. Um, just do, I don't know the future. I don't know, you know, how much time I'm going to have with my parents. And even, even in my crying and saying to God, like, I, I came back, I need to be able to find a house. The housing market right now is crazy. And I just had this moment the other day where I said, I, this, I may never live with my parents again, right? Like this could be the greatest act of God's grace and mercy to have me spend two months looking for a house because I get to spend that time actually living under the same roof as my dad. 
And these might be memories that I look back on for the rest of my life. And so even as I'm saying, God, hurry up, I'm watching the watch. And he's saying, if you just trust me and be fully present in every single moment that I put you in, I promise I'll still take you to your destination, Mm -hmm. but let's enjoy the journey. And so that's what I try to do and still fail, but mentally I know what I'm supposed to be doing, even when I don't feel like it. Yeah. 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 That's a really good perspective too. I think, uh, so for, so I, I didn't share this with you earlier, but literally this morning, my grandmother died and my oh, dad I'm so has sorry. spent, he's spent so much time over the last, um, few weeks, just or a few months, even, uh, this, this year with her like over and over. And I could tell, like, even though it was, it was hard, uh, he was really like cherishing those moments, right? Cause you never know. You just didn't want, and in her case, we knew that it was, she had a progressive disease that was getting worse, but, um, like, yeah, so absolutely kind of trusting God for those things. Like that, that really, that hits a little different today than it would probably on, on other days. Right. One week into moving here, my grandmother fell who lives an hour and a half and who the whole time when I moved kept saying, when are you coming back? When are you coming back? She fell and has not left, um, the hospital since. Right. And so there's so many things again, that we don't see. And so how do we trust God to steward our present moments? Yeah. Love that. Okay. So I love what, uh, we said earlier from, from your, your biography about you believe you're calling us to stand in the gaps of our churches for young people. What does that mean? Uh, It means that like 60% of young people are leaving the church. Um, most millennials, not most, I I, I'm forgetting the exact statistic. It's like 39% or something of millennials believe the church does more harm than it does good. Mm generation Z is the most agnostic generation the world has seen since before the medieval period. Right. So I feel I, there's so much in my life that I identify with a young person who's standing at that precipice of, do I go this way or that way? I know that feeling. And I also remember very much looking at the Christian kids and thinking, that's just not me. Like I am never Mm going to be that kid um, playing guitar and pouring his heart out on the stage. And you know what I mean? That youth group, like that's not, that was never, I was, I got expelled from school when I was in eighth grade. I was just, (laughs) that was just never me. And so I feel, I just feel like when you get to where you're going, go back for the people who are still where you came from. And so I never had an adult mentor at all besides my parents and my upbringing and my college years or, high school years. And so I want to be that for them. And I want to exemplify, I think an authentic walk with Christ that isn't asking you to become some like different person because God created you and he wired you the way you are for a reason. Right. So the only things he asks us to give up are things we weren't meant to be anyway. And I needed that example when I was younger. And so I hope I can be it. Yeah. I've often wondered why that was the case. You know, I feel like, so I'm a Gen Xer, but I'm, and I wonder, we just blame the boomers for everything. I think that's fair. (laughs) Uh, But, but, but I wonder what that was about as far as like, cause I've always felt the same way as a, as a guy who wanted to be a pastor, like discipleship was nowhere to be found. I'm like, what do you get? What, why, you know, why is that the case? Which sort of led me into some of those kinds of areas of study. Right. So I studied spiritual formation because I don't know how this works. So let me figure out how this works and go, go, go learn 
um, about that. Interesting. Why do, why do you think that's the case? About the adult mentors weren't there. Yeah, I think that everybody was just always so busy. And I see it. I don't, I don't necessarily think um, boomers are any different than millennials now. You know, and I have students right now who are 17 years old, 18 years old that say, I just had a student last class period say, I realized young, early that my parents were available to everybody and accessible to everybody except me. Wow. Right. So we have these smartphones where everybody's hustling. We're all doing our businesses. We have ministries on the side of a full-time job. That's me right now. And that's why I said earlier, when you said, where are you right now? And that, this is the questions that I've been asking myself because I'm saying, yeah. I want to, I don't ever want my kid to be in a college classroom saying, I realized my mom was accessible to everybody except me, you know? And so that's what, and that kind of goes back to even when you said, what are some of the blessings that mm -hmm. I'm seeing being here? I'm seeing that in Denver, it took me, you know, almost an hour to go anywhere. I, I couldn't take my right. kids to swim practice because I, it would have just been too much time between going to the different schools and even getting them back by the time I got home from work. And now everything's like a mile apart. There's two stoplights in this town and I signed them up. The first <laughs> thing I did was sign my kids up for swimming lessons. Cause I said, I can do it. I've got time. Yeah. And my parents are here to help me. So these are the blessings I'm talking about, about like my mentor says this, what if you get to where you're going faster by slowing down? And I feel like a lot mm. of my life right now has kind of slowed down and I need this moment. If that speaks to anybody else and we, yeah, we yeah. rush through trying to get to all these different places as, as adults. And then we miss the people that we're trying to mentor along the way. A hundred percent. And that's where I think it's so important uh, for particularly pastors. I mean, your, your husband's a pastor. Is that right? He was um, when we were in Denver. He was. Okay. So like that is just, uh, it, so it's easy for me to say as not being a pastor, but I wish I feel like the pastors that I've known have not had that opportunity to slow down, right? They're too busy trying to figure out all the other things. They're not really able to disciple so much as be a CEO of a 501c3, which is tough. Um, okay. So I, I find that really fascinating and I'm really glad that, that you're doing that. Um, I think that there's that, we do need it. I, I'm kind of on the fence with the millennials thinking that the church maybe is doing some, some, <laughs> some harm at the moment. We're all listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill, right? Going, Oh my God. We what, are what? the church. Are we not? But we are the, we church, are the right? church, you know? Yeah. And so let's build something new. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. I just don't want people to walk away from community and from Christ-like Christian community, I think that's a grave mistake. I think the devil would love for all of us to just go our own ways because he'll pick us off one by one. There is so much value in getting together with a group of like-minded people and sharpening one another and taught and sharing testimonies and learning from each other's failures and experiences. I don't want any young person to lose that. Yeah, Whether you do that at a specific building, I don't care. Right. And I think that's, that's kind of the key, right? I think a lot of people now, I think COVID, what COVID revealed to me was about the church in particular is that for churches who were like, oh, we're just going to put our little show that we do every Sunday online, that that was really sort of self-serving instead of people serving. And uh, those that were like, hey, we're going to get out and we're going to, we're going to make this a little more interactive and we're going to do some different things. Those are the ones that, that I want to be part of, but um, interesting. Okay. So I want to ask you about um, 
your your latest book, It's Not Your Turn. And so this is kind of, I think, appropriate for what we've been been talking about a little bit. Uh, what to do while you're waiting for your breakthrough, right? So it sounds like it's about preparation and kind of being ready for the next the next moment. Yeah, the whole premise of that book is essentially that who we are when it's not our turn is actually more important than who we will be when it is. I lived wow. a lot of my life thinking life starts when I get to some metaphorical there. Yeah. And that's when that's when God's favor will actually be on me, right? And I've I've spent the last 3 years believing your anointing begins the day you believe you have one. And who we are when nobody is watching and when whether or not we hit the podcast button on for 10 listeners, right? Everybody would turn the mic on for thousands and thousands of listeners. Are you kidding me? That doesn't take integrity. That doesn't take character. That doesn't take grit. We love to be applauded. How many people are willing to do the work because of the work? And that is the process that God has brought me through for the last several years is just showing up even when people wouldn't have noticed if I hadn't. Yeah. Okay. So I love that because, uh, and you probably don't know this, but I have a whole group of Christian podcasters, right. uh, On Facebook. And this is what I, what I preach to them all the time. Uh, you gotta, you gotta be consistent. You gotta show up, you gotta do your thing. And podcasting is a long game, right? Like you have to, you have to just keep publishing every single week commit to that. Now we have, I just realized in our, in my membership, we have three people who are just about to hit episode 100, right? And they're all starting to hit their strides and they're all starting to go, okay, this, this is now we've got it. Right. But imagine a hundred episodes. Like if somebody had told you that, how many people don't start because it takes a hundred episodes to figure out or to kind of get it, get that traction. You know, it's, it's, uh, it takes a lot. That's a really interesting message in the middle of a instant society. I think it's a really important message in the middle of an instant society yeah. because I, I drank the Kool-Aid, you know, for a long time. And you Wait, want what to know, does that mean? I was a part of it. I totally, I, I just said, I thought my life was going to start when I got to some metaphorical there, yeah. that's when it starts mattering. And I robbed myself of realizing that being present matters. So for me, that always, that looks like showing up to a class with five kids who are tired after lunch and have their heads on their desk and teaching that class as if I was called by God himself to be there. Mm. Right. Martin Luther King Jr. said he, um, one of the last talks he did actually at a high school, it was a high school graduation ceremony. And he said, if you are a street sweeper, the goal is to sweep those streets with so much passion and so much integrity and so much character that all of heaven pauses and says, my God, look at the street sweeper. And I, I love that. And I, I want to live that type of life where when I teach a class, heaven has to pause and say, look at her. She believes it. Look at how she's trying to inspire these. There's two kids there, but look at her, right? I want to show up to my life with that type of intentionality. And I think so much has changed in my life when I started doing that. It wasn't instant. There was a process, but things did start to shift within three years of me just making this commitment to say, I'm going to show up no matter what. Yeah. Okay, friends. 
So I think there's some, there's a lot of questions and maybe you're asking yourself these questions already, but I'm wondering what do you need to show up for, right? Mm. What do you need to, to decide I'm going to show up for this? And I don't know, it might be your marriage, might be your job or your career, might, might be your kids, might be your church, right? Okay. That's, that's fair. Maybe there's something that you need to, you need to show up for and say, I'm going to be involved uh, and be fully present. You know, it's, it's been hard. I think we all know that the last two years have been, have been hard. And I thought we were going to be over this in a year. Right. So, but okay. I think we all did, but this, we still have to ask that question. Right. And, and reevaluate those, those priorities. I think that's super fantastic. Here's what another thing I love Heather is the way that that's such a, uh, kingdom perspective, right? Like this is, I think the thing that Jesus did, you know, yes. he showed up everywhere he showed up. It wasn't like he wasn't ever in a hurry because he was willing to see the person in front of him. And he took the time when the woman grabbed just his, his cloak, right? He took the time to wait. Who was that? And to speak to her, even though somebody else's kid was dying, right? Someplace else, right? He was, he was like, okay, it's all right. Um, because he could have that. I think there's, a, so I think there's a few things that go into it, but what do you think goes into that, that kind of mentality? I just think giving every single person their honor and dignity that they restoring that image of Christ in each yeah. person at each meeting, you know, and again, because of social media, we have wired ourselves to believe, to, to post a video and be upset because it has a hundred views. That's a hundred people. Right. Right. And if you had a Bible study and a hundred people, if 10 people showed up to your Bible study, you would say, this is great. I'm going to keep going. Right. I always tell people to imagine that in your house. Yeah. Right? So for podcasters, like if you get the average number of downloads is actually 50 per, per episode. Right. So um, if you get 50 people, well, sorry, the average number within 30 days is like 125, but I, I have people who get like 50. If you have 50 people in your house, that's a big deal. Right. Like you're going to, you're going to be like, Oh my gosh, I can't believe I got this many people in my house. Right. Right. It's going to be a big deal. So treating, treating people with dignity and honor. Absolutely. I feel like we've lost that. I feel like that's just not. You know, that Princeton study where the guy is going, they, they like prime the people with the story of the good Samaritan and then they lead them to go do a sermon on the good Samaritan. And then they plant somebody in the street who's like wailing and rolling on their way. Right. And seminarians, most of them, if they told them, if they told them you are running late, you better get going. If they told them they were running late, most seminarians on their way to do a sermon on the good Samaritan walked right by. Right. Wow. And the people who stopped were the seminarians that they said, you have some extra time. So what that tells us is it's not that a lot of us are bad people. It's that context matters. And when we go through life feeling mm. late to something or rushing through, we miss the ministry of being right here where we are. And so that takes effort to remind ourselves the most important context is the one that I find myself in right now. And I'm here intentionally. So how do I serve this moment? Yeah. That's interesting. Do you, how do you, do you think it's related to some of our spiritual disciplines? Do you know, like, there, there are so many disciplines that teach you that sort of waiting, right? Just whether it's prayer, silent prayer, listening prayer, um, even just silence, silence and solitude, you know, like one of my favorite places. Did you ever get a chance to go to the Sacred Heart here in Colorado? I didn't. It's, it's down in Sedalia. Beautiful place. Try, try to go sometime. 
completely silent retreat house. Just oh, a, my a students good. have gone. I've heard of this a lot. Yes. Yes. Yeah. So uh, Jesuit retreat house is my favorite place on earth because you can't do anything, right? I mean, like I could take my, my phone, but really it just becomes an expensive timepiece because I'll, I'll, I'm just going to make sure I show up to dinner on time. The deer will walk right up to you because they're in no danger, right? They're, they're, it's very, very calm and peaceful. Um, anyway, I could go on about that. Maybe, so probably I need to go down there too is what that means. But, uh, <laughs> but, but that whole idea of like taking that time, the solitude, right? This, the silence to rest, I mean, maybe that's a, a discipline that we do. So my question to you is what, what do you, how do you relate the, the disciplines or the, you know, to this? Yeah, I am somebody that's really big on meditation, on biblical meditation and meditating on who God is, meditating on scripture verses. The, the research on how meditation affects your brain is phenomenal. I mean, if you do a little digging on the effects of meditation within six weeks, I think it's 20 minutes a day in six weeks, you have rewired people who meditate have a way greater sense of empathy than people who don't. They also, what you just mm. said, find themselves being more present than people who right. don't. Right. So that is a biblical principle that I try to incorporate into my worship life. Other than of course, reading, I, I read screw through my Bible cover to cover every single year. I read five chapters a day and finish every nine months. I'm really passionate about that, but then also finding time again, throughout the day to just say, okay, how am I meditating on the love of God in my life or who I think God is in my life today? Yeah. I love that. I think that's super powerful and really something that uh, the good thing about it is anybody can do it, right? God's people have been doing it for thousands of years and you can, you can do that too. It's not as hard as you, as you think guys. Okay. Um, Heather, your, so the book is called uh, it's not your turn. People can get that where everywhere. I'm guessing. Yeah. Everywhere. It's on Amazon. It's um, online at target at Walmart. You can university press. You can go straight to their website and get it there. Yes, and they are always good to us, guys. So support University Press. They uh, they help me out all the time. So uh, very good. Heather, is there anything that you want to leave us with? Yeah, I think the only thing I want to say as it relates to it's not your turn is that sometimes it's not your turn and it's not your fault. <laughs> I just think I was under the mis misinformation for a long time that if it wasn't my turn, it's because I was doing something wrong or I wasn't showing up hard enough, right? Or I wasn't earning it enough. And, yes. and it's weird that we think that because you read scripture and it's filled with stories of, um, you know, 11 of the 12 disciples are brutally murdered, right? So it's filled <laughs> with stories of like it not going people's way. But for some reason for our own lives, we feel like if something goes wrong, it's because we did it. And that's not the case. You can be in God's favor and still experience failure. And it doesn't mean that you've been removed from his favor. Oh, that's so powerful. It's not your fault. Sometimes life just happens. Yeah. God is still good. And he is still restoring, right? The kingdom of God is still present. And in the end, he still wins. Absolutely. I love that. Guys, you can reach Heather at heatherthompsonday.com. Go check that out. Heather, thanks so much for being here. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. What a joy. Thank you.